The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Vince. Glad to be here with you. Happy Sunday to you. Uh, if you would please turn to Matthew chapter 11. As you're doing that, first thing I want to mention is uh, Monday morning. We are heading uh, down to Missouri, taking a bunch of kids down to camp. So we would ask that you pray for us. Uh, first of all, just safe travel as we go. Uh, but secondly, that each and every child that we take uh, to camp this summer has a, an absolute uh, impactful experience with Jesus, that it's uh, life-changing, that they grow closer to him. Because uh, that's why we're going. And we're going to have a lot of fun too. So keep us in mind this week and pray for us if you would. Uh, we're continuing in our series this week. It's called, What is God Doing? And the premise throughout has been to examine ourselves. And the way that we perceive the Lord's moving and working in the earth and in our lives. We've looked at several accounts uh, throughout scripture where the experience of people could cause them to shake their fist toward heaven and with anger and accusation say, what is God doing? But what we've seen is that in every case, God is working at a higher level and with a longer view than they could possibly perceive from their limited vantage point, which hopefully Uh, is leading us to change in our hearts, to change from asking, what is God doing as an accusation? And to instead ask, what is God doing with anxious anticipation, full of trust that he is working for our good? Joseph, for example, couldn't see from the pit of the, or, or the prison that God would use him to preserve his people. Moses couldn't see from exile in Midian that God would use him to deliver his people. Rahab couldn't see when she tied that scarlet rope in the window that God would make her one of his people. They couldn't see from where they were. We can see God's goodness and power on display from Genesis to Revelation. We can see that He's faithful and unwavering in his commitment to the good of those that love him. And that helps us to acknowledge the difficulties around us and the struggles inside each of us and trust in him instead of rebel against him. Now, we started out uh, looking at those Old Testament pieces of history, learning what lessons we could from that, uh, More recently, we've looked specifically at some of the problems that we're facing nationally and globally. That's over the last couple of weeks. And we've been applying those same principles as we did looking back into the biblical history. Our hope in doing that is to learn how to trust that God is just as faithful and just as active in our current situations when we don't have the benefit of hindsight Because we are walking these things out in real time. We're in the same position now Joseph was when he was in the pit or the prison, or Rahab was when she was hanging that scarlet rope. We're walking this thing out. And we're going to continue along that path today of thinking about and and looking at, through a scriptural lens, what's going on today. 
and taking heart and hope in what God is doing. A sad fact is that many people stay away from Jesus because their perception of him has been tainted by a false gospel of moralism. Moralism is where people believe that it is conformity to a set of strict and heavy rules that leads to salvation. Now, some in rejecting that, they see that that's not true. What they end up doing is they jump over the narrow road of the true gospel and they jump into the other ditch of relativism. And in that, they're thinking that salvation and freedom come by rejecting the restraint that God's benevolent boundaries provide, which means that they then bear the weight of determining themselves what is best, not a weight we were ever meant to bear. Now, both of these lead to people living with a crushing and unbearably heavy burden. And part of what God has always been doing is calling us to himself because he wants to lighten the load for us. And we're going to see that very specifically today in Matthew 11. We're going to read verses 25 through 30. Hopefully you have a Bible there with you. If you don't, uh, we should have the verses there on the screen for you. Uh, But if you have a Bible or an app, it'd be great if you could get in that and study with us. So we're in Matthew, as I said, 11. That's right at the beginning of the New Testament. And we're going to look at verses 25 through 30. Okay, here we go. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Praise God for his word. Saints, come on now. Would you just let that good word right there soak into your tired bones? I need that. You need that. We we all need that, right? That's a good word. Come, all who are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Maybe you're disagreeing with me right now. Maybe you're saying, well, you think everyone needs that. Sorry, preacher, you're not talking to me. I don't feel tired. Well, dear friend, I I would say, if that's you, that the only way that's possible is if you are hopped up on the spiritual caffeine of either denial or self-focus. See, what happens is physically, if you keep using stimulants like caffeine, you end up damaging your body's ability to supply the natural energy that you need to function. And spiritually, if, if you tried to deny the sin and brokenness in the world or, or just stay focused on your own little kingdom so you don't see the sin and brokenness in the world, eventually those facades come crumbling down and the inadequacy of your own strength is fully exposed. To take a clear-eyed look at the devastation sin has caused in the world around us, or the devastation sin has caused in us, 
will always lead to an overwhelming sense of fatigue. But take heart, friends, because there is hope. And we're going to see some of that today. Uh, We're going to come back now and look at verses 25 through 27. Let's read those again. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Verses 25 through 27, they lead us to the same posture that we have been calling for this entire series. As long as we think we are the wise and intelligent, as long as we think we always know what is best, we can never experience the rest that Jesus offers us here. It is only when we become like infants aware of our need, but also aware we are totally unable to meet it ourselves, that we are positioned to receive the truth and blessing that only Jesus can provide. We've got to become like infants. I mean, isn't that right? What, what do infants do when they're hungry? Do they hop out down out of the bassinet and, and stroll over to the kitchen and make themselves a sandwich? Is that what an infant does? What What does an infant do when they soil themselves? Do they grab a diaper and some wipes and just take care of it, clean themselves up? No. When an infant's hungry or they've soiled themselves, they cry, acknowledging their need because they can't meet the need themselves. Verses 28 through 30 are so packed full of treasure. We're going to have to leave some gold in the ground for another time. But what I want to do with you is, is dig a little and, and let's, let's marvel together at what we are allowed to see here. The first thing I want to show you as we break into verse 28 is, is that it, it answers a question that could and maybe should rise out of verse 27. Look at that again. It says, uh, it says at the end, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Anyone whom the Son wills to reveal him. Well, that could bring us to the question, who's that? Who, who is the Son willing to reveal the Father to? Well, the good thing is the answer comes quickly. As soon as we get into verse 28, what do we see? It says, come to me all who are weary. All who are weary. Come on, that's good news, friends. Who does Jesus will to reveal the Father to? All who are weary. All who will acknowledge that they are like infants, that they are in need. <laughs> he says, come. All. Praise God. Now, before I go any farther packing, uh, unpacking, verse 28 and and on down, I want to make sure that we are clear on this uh, yoke metaphor, okay? Um, If if you've been a student of the Bible for any amount of time, you you may already know this, but I just want to be sure uh, we have folks that tune into this uh, live stream that maybe they don't even follow Jesus yet, or maybe they've just begun following Jesus, so we don't want to leave them behind, because I know when I uh, see the word yoke, even though it's spelled differently. I normally think of egg yolk first because uh, eggs are good. 
But uh, this yoke that's being discussed here, it's a farming implement. Okay, so it's, it's normally made out of wood and it goes up over the neck of a beast of burden. And it's how they would then drag a cart or oftentimes a plow. And so that's the yoke being discussed here. This is the metaphor Jesus is using to teach the principle. That's the yoke that we're speaking of. Okay, so if we look at verse 28, first it says, Come to me all who are weary. All who are weary. Weary, in some Bible translations, is translated as labor here. Come to me all who labor. The sense of that word is it's, it's a weight that you put on yourself. It's a weight you put on yourself. And then he says, so he says that, and then he says, all who are heavy laden. And that word heavy laden has a connotation of weight put on you by others. So Jesus isn't just saying the same thing two different ways. He's saying two different things. He's talking about weights that we put on ourselves, and he's talking about weights that others put on us. All you who are weary and heavy laden, okay? That's important for us to know. The other thing that's important for us to know is that in either case, whether the weights are self-imposed or imposed by others, Jesus offers rest from these weights. Amen. Now, there is obviously far-reaching application as we consider these two different kinds of burden. There are Lots of unnecessary and unhelpful weights that we put on ourselves and we put on each other. This can be in our homes or in jobs or with friendships or anywhere that there are other people, even online for that matter, and maybe especially online sometimes. If we're honest and we really think through this, we often have unhealthy or unfair expectations of ourselves and others. And and sometimes we even expect that they should automatically know those unreasonable expectations and will go so far as to just assume that they're either ignorant or uncaring if they don't. Come on now. This reality is something that we should really pray about and we should examine ourselves broadly about. But in particular, I want to hone in on our cultural moment for some specific application. So, I said what I said before because the truth that we're talking about today, man, it, it, it spreads wide and far. There's a lot of areas of our life that this could touch. And I'm, I'm hoping that you'll be able to think through this thing and, and soak in this truth over this week and, and find the freedom that comes in receiving the rest that Christ offers. But I'm going to get specific um, in, in terms of the application. So uh, for those who are not using the spiritual caffeine of either denial or self-focus. Remember what I mean by that? I'm saying if, if, if somebody right now is claiming they don't fit the description of being weary or heavy laden, it's, it's because they, they have to be either in denial of how broken the world is or how broken they are, or so self-focused and deluded in pride. Either of those are like caffeine. It'll keep you going. It'll, it'll, it'll give you an energy burst for a minute, but the long-term effects are, are, are detrimental. This is not an anti-coffee sermon, by the way. Praise God. Coffee's a good gift from God. Just has to be used in moderation, right? Amen. If you get to the end of this sermon and the only thing you felt convicted about is your caffeine intake, then I totally messed up. (laughs) Okay, that's not what we're talking about. It's a metaphor, much like the yoke, okay? But for those who are not using those spiritual... uh, 
a spiritual caffeine of either denial or self-focus, it is abundantly clear that there is much pain and brokenness around issues of race and justice in our country, and quite frankly, in the world right now. Many folks are feeling crushed under self-imposed burdens of feeling like they need to figure out all the right ways to think, the right ways to speak, and the right things to do to address these issues. Now, many others are feeling crushed under the burdens that others are imposing who are either implying or even in some cases explicitly saying that if each of us do not think and say and do what they think is going to address the issues, that that means you are ignorant or you just don't care. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that we shouldn't prayerfully consider what our part is in pushing back against evil and injustice in the world. As a matter of fact, we talked about that just a couple weeks ago in that God has called us to be salt. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't prayerfully consider what our part is in pushing back against evil and injustice in the world, and I'm not saying we shouldn't listen well to others who may have helpful input. But if we take either or both of these yokes upon our necks and we try to pull them in our own strength, we will either collapse under the weight quickly or we will just pridefully walk in circles, working real hard but not really plowing much ground, which is the point of getting hooked into the yoke, is to do something, is to accomplish something. To extend the metaphor further would be to plow our master's fields, right? Where he plants good seed, which brings a crop. Amen. Commentators have, have pointed out that it would have been a common practice in that time to put an older and stronger animal into a yoke with a younger and weaker animal in order to train them. The older and stronger animal would guide the younger, kind of showing on the ropes, but it would also carry the majority of the weight as the younger, weaker animal got used to the burden of pulling that plow or wagon or whatever it was doing. And friends, that, that really shines light on the beauty of what Jesus calls us to here. Because what he's not doing is setting yokes upon us and then just sending us out on our own. That's not how he works. He's inviting us to come alongside him in the restorative and redemptive work that he is doing in the world. And, and it makes even more sense because he doesn't say, uh, go over there and get my yoke. He says what? Come to me. Gonna come to him. Praise God. We're coming to him. And he's going to stay there with us. I think, unfortunately, many of us, we often, when we think of rest, we think of rest as disengaging from the mission in front of us. We often think of rest as having no yoke at all, just getting to sit down. <laughs> but Jesus offers us rest in the midst of the mission, because he is in it with us. That we can be engaged in the mission, that we can be pulling in the yoke, and in the midst of that act, there is rest. It's not that we need to sit down or disengage in order to experience the rest he's offering us. The rest is found 
in being yoked up with him and plowing with him and working with him. I mean, praise God that he would invite us next to him to do that. It's only by his grace. Hallelujah. Of all the things that we can do to push back against evil and injustice in the world. And and let me say this. Of those things, it can look a lot different, right? It can look a lot of different ways based on different people's strengths and, and their cultural context. There can be a lot of variance, but whatever we do in, in our work of pushing back against evil and injustice in the world, whatever we do, it should include inviting others to rest in the yoke of Christ. That's part of the mission of not only loving God, loving people, and making disciples, but if, if we're going to engage in pushing back against evil and injustice in the world. One of the primary ways that we're going to do that is inviting others to come find the rest that you get when you yoke with Christ, right? Because much of the evil and injustice in the world is driven by people overwhelmed with those burdens, either self-imposed or imposed by others, that cause damage to their hearts, damage to their identity and who they are. And it, it causes people to do things and say things and, and live in, in such ways that they wouldn't if they weren't feeling crushed and desperate because they're operating in a way they were never meant to. Amen. Some people are weary from all the weight that they've put on themselves. Some people are tired from all the weight that others have put on them. And some people are exhausted from both. But what we must be confident in is that even if they don't look or act tired, here's what we need to know. We, humanity, all of us, we were made to be joined to God in his great restoration mission. And any other course of action only leads to desperation and depletion. There's lots of yokes that we can take on. There's lots of yokes that we do take on as humans. The only one that's going to allow us to traverse this life in this sinful, broken world and have any kind of real rest is to be in the yoke that Christ alone offers. And that is true for every man and every woman. And so whatever we do, in all our efforts, and I'm not saying, this, I'm not saying that specifically the mission of inviting people to come and to know this Jesus who says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. That's not the only thing we do. There's other things that can be in that picture. Civic engagement, other strategies. There's other things that flow out. The, the, the mission expands from there, but the core of what we're called to the, the basis of how, of how evil and injustice spreads in the world is sin and brokenness in human hearts. And of course, we're angry. Of course, people are casting burdens on other people because they've had it done to them. They don't know how else to live. They've never felt the light and easy yoke of pulling next to Christ as they were made to. And it only leads to more brokenness and bitterness the longer it goes on. But friends, we can... We can offer them the hope and the freedom that comes, the rest that comes, beautiful rest in knowing and trusting Jesus. 
Amen. And, and here's, hear me in this. It, it is not just saving from the futility of trying to survive in yokes we were never meant to carry. It's not just that we're, we can be saved from that, from just trying to eke out an existence in a way we were never meant to. It's not just that. It is also the learning that happens when we pull next to Christ. It's the training we receive that's so important. Didn't the master say that? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why? Well, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So there's something too us yoking up next to Jesus. We're going to, it's just like that bigger animal teaching that younger animal. When we get in next to him, we learn how to do this stuff different. We learn how to engage with one another different. What did Jesus say? He's gentle and humble in heart. And friends, if there's a word for our day, if there's a word for our moment, if there's something we need to learn as a people, is it not how to be gentle and humble in heart. On that idea, you know, I, I saw a, a meme this week online. It was, it was pretty harsh, and it, it basically was just saying that uh, if I think the way that I think, uh, if, if I conduct myself the way that I conduct myself, uh, basically that I'm, I'm, I'm basically a garbage human, that I'm useless, and I don't have much purpose or utility, uh, that, you know, I should be ashamed of myself. And I want to tell you, man, that meme, it really, it really changed my thinking in a positive way. Said no one ever, <laughs> right? That's, that's not how it works. Part of what we learn from Jesus is what being gentle and humble in heart means and how to approach people. But the other thing he says first, before, before he tells us what things we're going to learn when we yoke up with him, how to be gentle and humble in heart. Oh, it's so important. First, he says, come to me. He doesn't say, stand over there a thousand miles away between a couple keyboards, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something and teach you how to be gentle and humble. He says, come to me. Friends, a big part of the work that needs to be done is us casting down all of the insecurities casting down all the prejudices, casting down every single thing that would stop us from getting up from behind the keyboards and, and, the, and the phones and getting near one another. Come to me, all who are weary. Just a chapter back in verse 10, Jesus says this incredibly thing. He says, all who receive you are receiving me. You see, when we yoke up in this yoke with Christ and we're pulling with him, we become an extension of what he's doing in the world. He's just showing us the ropes, man. We're just doing what he's doing. And what is he doing? He's saying, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. All who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. We join him in that call. That hope-filled call. That grace-filled call. Oh, I'm so glad Jesus doesn't say, come to me all who are hard and strong and self-reliant and and." And you can do everything I need you to do. No. What does Jesus say? Who's he called to? Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden. And in case you didn't catch it earlier, let me say it real plain. You are weary and heavy laden. Whether you know it or not. I don't care how thick your facade is. I don't care how distracted you are. 
I don't care how self-focused you are. If we could peel all that away, apart from the yoke of Christ, apart from being bound to Christ in his great mission of restoring and redeeming this world, apart from being yoked to him in relationship, we are all exhausted. I'm so thankful. He doesn't say, come to me, all who have the means, who can hang with me, who are strong on their own. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, all of you who have piled onto yourself burdens you were never meant to bear. Come to me, all of you who have dumped, had dumped upon you burdens by others that you were never meant to bear. Come to me. I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you rest. You're going to see that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why is that? Is it because Jesus uses a different kind of wood than everyone else? No, man. It's because his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Why? Because he stays in there with you. He's right there. He's, he can pull that thing by himself real easy, but he lets you come. He lets you Stick your neck in there and be with him. And he teaches you how to be gentle and humble. Friends, we gotta, we gotta be gentle. As we're dealing with the issues that we're dealing with, friends, I'm asking you, I'm praying this every single day. God, make me more gentle. Give me the spirit of gentleness, the, the fruit of the spirit that is gentleness. Not assuming, which ties, it dovetails so closely with humility. Not assuming that I... I have it all figured out. And if everyone would just listen to me, if everyone would just do what I'm doing, oh gosh. Of everything he could say, he's going to teach us in this yoke. Of everything he could say, he says gentle and humble in heart. You are receiving a counter message to that every single day and in, in every way imaginable. Gentleness and humility are not seen as commodities in the average, everyday world that we walk in. Strength is prized, whether it's real or not. As long as you can fake it, you can make it. Independence, even haughtiness, under the guise of confidence. We're called to come and learn from our master how to be gentle and humble in heart. Friends, we have to be gentle with one another. We have to be gentle with those that disagree with us. We have to be humble in heart knowing that anybody can teach us something. Anybody. There's a reason. Old brother James said, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Amen. It's a good word for us, church. I hope you're hearing it. I hope you're not just hearing it. I hope it's going down in there where it belongs. It's changing things. Hallelujah. The heart of the gospel is acknowledging that we are weary from doing things our own way. Trusting Christ and taking on His yoke by faith and experiencing the beauty of of laboring with him and the rest that he provides in that process. We see the gospel so plainly. Come to me, 
All who are weary and heavy laden, come to me, those who know you have need. You can't come to him. What did Jesus say before that? I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent. He could have just as much said the wise and intelligent in their own eyes. That's really what he's saying. And have revealed them to infants. Friends, in order to come to Christ, we, we cannot come to him thinking that we can pull the yoke. We cannot come to him thinking we have it all figured out, that we're okay, that we've earned our own way, or that we don't need to, that we'll just determine our own path. Those ditches both lead to death. And sadly, those ditches are littered with the bodies of those who have stayed away from Jesus because they bought into those lies. Moralism and relativism aren't going to bring freedom or salvation. There's one thing that does. It's this precious yoke that Christ offers. The prerequisite of which, before we're going to come and have that thing slipped over our head, is that we know we're weary and heavy laden. We got to become like infants, acknowledging our need. We cannot come to the knowledge of salvation without first recognizing and acknowledging our spiritual bankruptcy. We're bringing nothing to the table. We need Christ and we need him alone. This is why the scriptures say in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin is death. Okay. Raise your hand if you've ever sinned. Right? That's everybody. The Bible is very clear about that. Even if you didn't raise your hand because you somehow are deluded into thinking that you're perfect, dear friend, let me lovingly, gently, and humbly say to you, you're wrong. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. We have to acknowledge that. We have to know that puts us in a position of not being able to save ourselves. God is holy, perfect, and righteous, and sin separates us from him. That is the condition of every man and every woman until we come and we trust in Christ. Christ came. He lived the perfect life we didn't, and then he died the death we should have. He got what we should have got so we can get what he should have got. He got our punishment. We get his righteousness. And how does that happen? How, does, how is that gift received? God is saying, I will give you the righteousness that Christ alone earned. And what does he want for that? Does he want you to realize how bad you are and be good from now on and then he'll give it to you? If, if you do that good enough and long enough? I mean, that sounds reasonable. No, it's much, much more beautiful than that. What he's requiring of us is to trust him. Will you believe the good word about Jesus? That he died on the cross and he rose from the grave and that the power of sin, death, and hell were conquered because God himself came and paid the price. Let his blood be shed as a sacrifice and atonement for the sins of the world. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Friend, will you, will you admit it? Will you admit that you're tired? Will you admit that you're exhausted? Will you admit how heavy the burden is of trying to carry your own salvation? Accomplish it yourself? Will you see the beauty of coming to this Jesus? He says, just come to me. I'll give you the rest. I'll do it. And in that, as we understand the beauty of the gospel, how does that not begin to conform and change our hearts to make us gentle and lowly? 
when we don't see ourselves as, as better than others or somehow more worthy than others, but we see ourselves simply as beggars who found bread. And then this desire is cultivated in us to share with as many people as possible where they can get some too. Come yoke up, man. Come put your head in this thing. Come find out what real rest is about. It's not about disengaging. It's not about pulling back. It's not about stoicism and just denying anything hurts. No. It's about coming and getting next to the one who can fix every problem we got. Trusting him and pulling with him. Being with him. It's not just, he's not, Jesus doesn't need yoke pullers. Understand that. He doesn't need us to get the job done. He wants us and he invites us and he shares with us the great privilege of doing redemption and restoration in this world. Of sharing the good news that there's hope for everybody. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Hallelujah. Friends, may we bow our heads low and receive this yoke with gladness. And with gentle and humble hearts, may we bid others to come and join us for our good and God's glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. God, thank you so much for this precious picture, this metaphor. Thank you, first of all, Lord Jesus, for making it plain that those who are wise and they got it all figured out in their own eyes, that they can't, they can't ever get to where they need to get. It's not until we realize we are like infants in need of everything to be done for us. We can't accomplish salvation on our own. We can't accomplish healing on our own. We will not make any positive influence pushing back against the forces of darkness and injustice in the world. We're not going to do any of that without your help. The way we do that is to come alongside what you have already been doing. Nobody's heart hurts more than yours, Lord God. At the sin and injustice in this world, at evil in this world, at pain in this world, we know that. And we also know that from Genesis 3 forward, you've been, you told us what you were doing there and you've been unfolding this beautiful plan that ultimately ends up with evil and darkness, and death cast away forever, and you've promised us a future hope in your presence. Lord, we look forward to that day. We look forward to that day, but in the meantime, help us. Dear Jesus, help us to trust you, to, to bend our necks down low in humility, and receive this yoke that we are intended to have, to fulfill the purpose for which you created us, to stop suffering under the intense weight of these burdens that we put on ourselves and that others heap on us. God, help us to be charitable and merciful and humble and gentle in the way we deal with others. In how we invite them to come and know you. In how we engage one another in the arena of ideas and as we, as we seek together to fight back against evil forces in the world and all of the carnage that they create. God, there's going to be differences some of that just needs to be chalked up to the fact that some people are going to be more effective tackling things one way and some another. And we need to give room for one another to do that. 
sometimes we need to engage in that arena of ideas and learn from one another. God, help us do all that. Help us do it well. Help us do it with gentle and humble hearts. This isn't about us. It's not about me. God, it's about you and what you're doing. I love you. We honor you, dear Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit and the help to walk these things out. We can't do it. We can't do this. But I thank you that you've invited us to come and be next to you and that you stay with us. And that makes the yoke easy and the burden light. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org.